Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place today. Don't hang on to things that are only going to delay the inevitable of sin in your life because sin is going to take you down to a road of destruction. I don't care how pleasant it is, care how good it might taste, give it up and God will give you something so much greater. I want you to know that faith can be the powerful motivator that can push you into a place of obedience. And if you'll be obedient to God, God can take that little bit and he can turn it into enough to sustain you for your entire life until the drought is over, until the famine is over, until you can stand on your own two feet again. And God can give you and keep you full and keep you from starving spiritually. giving to sheaves for Christ. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 through 14. The Lord is speaking to Elijah here, and the Bible says, um, and the word of the Lord came unto him, speaking of Elijah, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. They were in the midst of a a great famine here. There was no food. There there, There was nothing to eat. And the Lord tells Elijah, I want you to go down to Zarephath. There's a a widow that's going to take care of you, make sure that you have food to eat. So... He arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. There's a famine going on. Water's not the issue. She's fine with the water. I'll grab you something to drink. But then he takes it a step further and he says, Would you bring me a morsel of bread? Now just for your perspective today, he wasn't asking her to bring him a plate of food or a four-course meal or even a sandwich. He simply asked for a morsel. And a morsel by definition is a small piece or amount of food Another part of the definition says a mouthful. Can you just bring me a bite? Something to eat. He wasn't asking for much. And at the same time, he was asking for everything. Because verse 12 says, she replies, says, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, 
but make me thereof a little cake first. <laughs> he said, before, there's no, I got no problem with you making yourself something to eat and no problem with you making your son something to eat. I understand that, but before you do that, first bring me something. And after, make for thee and for thy son. I'm thinking at this point, the, the woman is scratching her head saying, did you not hear what I said? <laughs> but he goes on to say this, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Elijah, all I have is enough for a small cake, a morsel. You're asking for a morsel of bread? I'm telling you, that's all I have. It's just a morsel. I want to preach to you today a message I've entitled, A Mighty Morsel. A Mighty Morsel. Amen. Not a mighty muscle. That would make actually more sense than a mighty morsel. A mighty morsel is oxymoron. Morsels, teeny tiny, mighty is huge, great, big, strong. They're two words that don't typically go together, but today they do. Because when God gets involved with your little bit, He can make it a whole lot greater than what you ever could on your own. Lord God, we ask that you would anoint this message in Jesus' name. And would you say amen as you're seated? Amen. amen. You God bless you. You may be seated. I would have to say probably for the most part of us that are sitting here today, we've never known what it feels like not to have enough food to eat. Now, there may be times and moments where possibly you don't have what you would like to eat. And there may be a, a few of us here today that, that maybe have struggled to the point that the cupboards were pretty bare I probably would assume that none of us have ever been in a place where we thought that we would have to actually starve to death like this woman and her son in First Kings here. We knew that there would be help or there would come a time or we just had a couple of days to make it to a paycheck or whatever. We had family, we just, our pride got in the way and we, we, we chose not to say anything and maybe we were hungry for a couple of days, but not really in in a place where we had to fear starvation. Some of our elders here today could probably stand and testify of hard times. Uh, I can remember being in a conversation with Elder Brother Hughes at one point, and he was talking about uh, the uh, Depression days. And he, he told me, kind of laughing under his breath, he said, we were so poor, our family was so poor that we didn't realize there was a depression going on. <laughs> he said, Not, nothing really changed for our family. Everything remained the same. Uh, we were always without. We were always in want. So when the depression came and affected everybody else, life just went on as usual for the Hughes family. And I'll never forget um, about 30 years ago, uh, when a small town uh, boy from Illinois took a job in the city of St. Louis that had me walking 
the streets of downtown St. Louis uh, in the evening time. I'll never forget uh, a memory that I have of being downtown St. Louis. Now, probably the first few days I didn't uh, spot this because I was so busy and so preoccupied with just trying to stay on track of what my job description was and trying to not get fired, you know, and I'm looking around at all these tall buildings and, and everything is unusual for me. I, I'm, I'm not a, a city boy. I, you know, I just uh, was there because the job took me there. And, and I do remember, however, uh, coming across a particular scene that I didn't realize what was going on at the time. Uh, there was a, a man that was leaned over, and you couldn't see him from the waist up because he was bent over all the way down inside of a trash can on one of the streets of downtown St. Louis. And I watched him. I, I stopped for a moment. I was like, what is going on with this guy? He must have, you know, threw something important away when he threw his trash away. What one of us hasn't done that? You know, I mean, uh, I've dug through uh, bags of trash before uh, thinking I threw that away when I was throwing something uh, uh, that was worthless away and I accidentally threw something into the trash can and I would dig through the trash. But this guy, I kid you not, was, was completely uh, up to his waist, uh, head upside down down in that trash can. I thought, what in the world is he doing? What's he searching for? What is so important that he would dive into that dumpster to try to retrieve it? And to my surprise, when he came up out of that dumpster, he didn't have a gold watch in his hand. He didn't have a lot of money in his hand or a billfold or anything of value. He came up with a half-eaten hamburger that somebody had tossed away from McDonald's that was still partially in the wrapper and to my disgust and my shock and surprise he took that hamburger and he put it to his mouth and he began to eat his supper for the evening it was at that point that I first realized that not everybody lived the way that I lived that not everybody had the security that I had come accustomed to that not everybody had been raised the same way that I had been raised not everybody could come home to a home cooked meal or wake up and grab a box of cereal out of the cabinet and pour some milk on it and have breakfast but there were people out there that knew every single day what hunger and starvation felt like to the point that they became so desperate that they would dig into a trash can or a dumpster to get their food to get them through the day. I was unaccustomed to seeing homeless people. Even the poorest of people back in my hometown seemed rich when I began to compare them to the people that were living on the streets. I remember watching as he brushed it off best as he could and ate what somebody else had tossed away as trash. I can remember feeling kind of sick to my stomach of the very thought of what I had just witnessed. Now it changed the way I thought about what I had. I like your, your lesson this morning. Such power in that. And sometimes it takes seeing somebody in a different situation than what we're in to help us realize how good we actually have it. 
Oh, that can be transferred right over into the spiritual realm as well. There's times when we can have church. There's times when we can feel the presence of God, but we can get so accustomed to it that we don't realize how good we're being fed. We don't realize that we've got it at our disposal. We don't realize that what is coming in has got us so overloaded, so rich, so healthy with, uh, with the spiritual things of God that sometimes we can forget that we are blessed beyond measure. I'm so glad that God's spirit is in this house today. I'm so glad for what I've already filled up on, for what I've already felt, but God help me to never take advantage of his presence. I thought to myself, I'd starve to death before I ever did something like that. I'd never had to walk in that man's shoes. What I saw as disgusting they saw it as another way to stay alive for another day. They were hungry like I had never been hungry. And so they placed a high value on what others considered trash. The people that I saw didn't have the luxury of eating until they were full. <laughs> You know what? A lot of times I'll buy an extra just because I don't want to be at the end of my meal. You know, like, um, give me the number two value meal. That's the one with two cheeseburgers. Throw in an extra cheeseburger just in case two doesn't do the job. Anybody else like that? Because, buddy, I, I don't want to just have my hunger satisfied. I want to be full. I want, to, I want there to be no wrinkles in this belly when I'm done eating. Throw an extra one on there. But they didn't have the luxury of eating until they were full. They were happy to have enough to ease the hunger pains that gnawed at their belly. That sight of what I had witnessed had an effect upon me. It changed my thoughts on some things that I had never contemplated before. I saw things through a different set of eyes because of something that I had witnessed that, that began to gnaw on the way that I approached life and the way that I thought about things. You see, abundance often makes us careless. Abundance can sometimes make us unappreciative, but hunger will help us to appreciate a morsel. Hunger will help us appreciate a crumb. What others that are full and living in abundance might brush off the table, amen, and call it trash or call it waste, amen. A somebody that knows hunger will say, no, not today. Give me the morsels. Give me the little bit. I'll take whatever is left over. I'll take whatever falls off the table. I'll take whatever you're going to throw away. Don't throw it away. I'm hungry for something. I said all that to set the story and the stage up for the subject of today's message. This woman that's in our story, she finds herself in much the same type of predicament, except for she had no trash cans to dig through. All the trash cans in her city had already been dug through. There was no food anywhere. She couldn't find anything. Nobody had anything to offer. The shelves were bare. The cupboards were bare. There was nothing anywhere for anybody to eat. She's at the end of her game. I'm sure she had 
She had parceled it out the best that she could. I'm sure that there were nights that she went to bed hungry because she wanted to feed her son. I'm sure that she didn't take the the biggest portion, but she gave it to her son to try to keep him alive. And now they were at the end of the road. There was nothing left but a handful of meal and a little bit of oil and a cruise. And I'm going to eat it. And then we're going to die. End of story. There'd been no rain for three years. It was bad enough that she was hungry, but I think, I'm sure it was the same with her. It had to be a terrible thing to watch your child go hungry. You're good parents. We've got a lot of good parents in here. Look at him. He's sitting there. Brother Hogan got his arm around his baby girl. You know. And I think, from what I understand, what I've seen, that the Hogan's favorite place after Sunday is Dairy Queen. Am I right? <laughs> Always swing, th- swing through Dairy Queen, get himself something to eat. But I, I can just guarantee you that never one single time have they ever gone through the drive-thru, and Brother Hogan looks over at Sister Hogan and says, what would you like, honey? And she says, well, I'll take that, that cheeseburger up there and give me the French fries and, and a Coke, and hey, let's explore today. I'm going to have myself a, a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I was safe with something with chocolate on it. All right, and Brother Hogan leans out the window. He says, we'll take uh, two of those number twos, uh, this and that. Give us a hot fudge sundae. And Sydney's in the back of the car going, what about me, Dad? Yeah, we don't have enough money for you, honey. You can have some saltines when we get home if we got any of those left. No, 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 that's just not the way good parents operate. Good parents put their children first. Good parents make sure that their children are taken care of before themselves. And I promise you this, if that man had to choose between feeding himself or feeding his daughter, guess who's going to get the food? His daughter is going to get the food. And so here's this woman, and she's saying, my son is here, and he's going to starve. And you're asking me to make you a cake before I feed my own son? Are you out of your ever-loving mind? Things look bleak. Things were bleak. She tried to make it last. Maybe the famine would, would end. Maybe something would change. But now they're just enough for one more tiny meal. And then all that awaited them was death. You know, it's funny the way that God tests us sometimes. <laughs> Have you ever had someone say something to you so ridiculous that you just want to reply, you're kidding, right? Surely you've got to be, you can't be serious. You can't be, you can't be real. Well, the Bible tells us that she's out gathering Two sticks. <laughs> she numbers them. Uh, I'm getting two sticks. I'm going to build a little fire. I'm going to make us a, a, a little bite to eat, one last cake, and then we're going to die. You don't build a big fire with two sticks. 
I seriously doubt she was dragging two logs in for the fire. It was two small sticks. She was going to break those little sticks up and build a little fire and cook that cake. And then she was going to go in and say, sweetheart, I love you. I'm sorry, mommy, couldn't, couldn't help you further. This is all we have. And we're going to sit here and we're going to die. Elijah says, bring me a drink of water. Okay, we got water. I got time. It's not like the roast is burning at home. You know, I've got time to get you a drink. While she's on her way to get him a drink of water, he says, by the way, bring me back a little, a little bite of bread. While you're at it, bring me a cake to eat with my water. You know, I don't know how you ladies would, would react to this, but number one, a stranger walking up and say, hey, woman, bring me a drink of water. I think that a lot of you would have problems with that right off the bat. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Get your own water. And she says, all right, I'll get you a drink of water. I'm on my way there anyway. I'll get you a drink of water. He said, oh, by the way, bring me back something to eat while you're getting my water. Can you believe that this guy has the gall to ask this woman? But you got to understand something here. He's simply doing what God has told him to do. God said, I want you to go down to Zarephath. There's a widow woman there that's going to sustain you. It may not look like much, but God has now got Elijah in this place. And he said, this is the woman that you're going to say is going to sustain me? God, she doesn't have anything for herself. How is she going to sustain me? But Elijah, he trusts God. Elijah's walked with God already. Elijah's already seen the miracles. And so Elijah doesn't have to have the facts in his hands for him to believe that God can perform what God said he could perform. He doesn't know how, maybe. He doesn't know what he's going to do. But all of a sudden, God says to Elijah, you tell her, make you something first. And if she obeys you and she makes you something first and she takes care of the man of God and she listens to the voice of God, then I'm going to make sure you tell her that she She'll have meal and she'll have oil for as long as this thing needs for her to survive. She'll have it, everything that she needs. You ask her for something so small, yet it's all that she has left. And sometimes God will not bless you out of your abundance. Your greatest miracles may not come out of your greatest talent or your greatest abilities, but God may come down to the small little thing in your life. And he said, it may not be much, but I'm going to ask you to give me every part of it and if you'll give God all of it it may not be much God take with a little bit that you have given him and he'll turn it into the miraculous that you could have never had without it God I thought for sure you'd send me down to somebody there that was wealthy somebody that had a private stash I got a feeling that Elijah thought when he ran into this widow woman that she might have a little flesh on her bones still. Everybody else is starving to death, and somehow this woman, she's she's got something put away. She's got something going on that nobody else has. But when God sends him to her, she's got nothing but a handful. But a morsel in the hand of God is a mighty thing. (laughs) 
when you can give God the little bit that you have and you feel like it's not very much and you feel like you don't have much to offer him or God asks you to do something. You say, God, I'm not even good at that. I don't have the capabilities and God just keeps asking you. Let me tell you something. Your obedience with the little bit that you have is much more powerful than your obedience with the great things that God has given you. When you get, give God the little things in your life, when you give him the morsels, God can take the things that are small, the things that are minute, the things that are crumbs, and he can turn them into the miracles that can feed the multitudes. If we'll just give those things to God, give him what is small, give him what is little, give him what you think you don't have much of, and God will make it mighty. She simply looks at him and says, I've just got a little for one last meal. I'm sure at this point she thinks conversation's over. (laughs) Can't give what I don't have. And surely this guy wouldn't expect me to give him my last little cake that I'm about ready to eat with my son. The thing that has always struck me about this story is that she really doesn't bat an eye. Not in the story. Now, I'm just, I'm saying a lot of these things about thinking the way that, that, you know, a lot of people would think in this situation, but, but the Bible just says that she does it. Yes, yes. And I think it would be wise for us to come to the comprehension of just what she did have. It was just a handful, and she could have held on to the handful, and she would have starved just like she had planned on starving. But I think she looked at what she had on her own as being little, and she said, this isn't going to get me but a couple more days down the road. Why don't I take a chance on what God might do? You see, the things that we sometimes hang on to They just are there to delay the inevitable. They're not going to fix her starvation problem. That handful wasn't going to solve their hunger. It was just going to delay the fact that they were going to die maybe a couple days later than what they would have died otherwise. When all of a sudden something came over her and she just said, God, could it be? Could it be that what this man is saying, could it be that it is true? Well, why not test it? I've got very little to lose. All we've got is a little cake, a little mouthful to share between me and my son. And why not just give it to this guy? Why not just do what he's asking me to do? I feel the presence of the Lord in this place today. Don't hang on to things that are only going to delay the inevitable of sin in your life because sin is going to take you down to a road of destruction. I don't care how pleasant it is. I don't care how good it might taste. Give it up and God will give you something so much greater. What the world may seem is ridiculous. Their view, they may laugh and they may think that it's petty what we have to offer. What may seem so trivial that they've already thrown our ideas and our concepts into the trash can as something to be discarded. And there are people out there that have tasted. They've tasted and they've thrown it away. Because the world is constantly offering you something sweeter, 
but it won't sustain you. It'll just delay the inevitable. What the world deems as trash to people that are hungry, it's the thing that gives us life. Man of God came with a word from God and the woman heard it and acted out in faith upon that word and God responded to the need that was in her life. It's just that simple. Is your faith going to be tested? You better believe it is. Is there going to be some times when you're asked to do things by God that you don't understand and it doesn't seem to make any sense and in the eyes of those that are around you seem totally and completely ridiculous? Absolutely. I'm not trying to skirt around that. I'm telling you that's the honest to God's truth. That's what's going to happen in every last one of our lives. But let me tell you, if you can hold on to it, if you can remain hungry for that truth, if you can remain hungry for that Word of God when everybody else is trying to distract you, when your own common sense says... Can it really be true? I want you to know that faith can be the powerful motivator that can push you into a place of obedience. And if you'll be obedient to God, God can take that little bit and he can turn it into enough to sustain you for your entire life until the drought is over, until the famine is over, until you can stand on your own two feet again. And God can give you and keep you full and keep you from starving spiritually. So here we stand, back to 2019, on the brink of the return of Jesus Christ. And I believe that with all my heart. I think it could happen at any moment. And the world is so full of fast food religion. You were hitting on it all over it today. Name and claim it, blab it and grab it. You deserve this and you deserve that. And, and, and you know what? God says, the, the Word of God says, take up your cross and follow me. Yes. It's not all about the blessings. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. I'm glad that God blesses us. But if He doesn't, it's not going to change the fact that I'm going to keep walking with Him. I'm going to keep traveling this road with Him. If the blessings all shut off, if I'm hungry for anything, I'm going to be hungry for God at the end of the day. We don't serve Burger King. We serve the King of Kings. Yes, yes, yes. Burger King says, have it any way you want it. There's a lot of Burger King churches out there. Yes. Believe however you want to believe. Come on in. We'll take you on in. We'll baptize you however you want to be baptized. Whatever makes you feel good. Whatever you believe. You'll fit in here. Let me tell you, not everybody's going to fit into this church. Unless they conform to the word of God. It's not about conforming to me. It's not about conforming to this church. It's about conforming to the word of God. And matter of fact, it's really not about conforming at all. uh, The world can conform you. You're going to turn into something depending on who you're around. But the word of God is about transforming you. It's about taking you into something that was and turning turning you into something that is brand new. Yes. (laughs) Jesus said I am the way he didn't say I am a way he said I am the way I am the truth I am the life Luke recorded it like this why call ye me Lord Lord and do not the things which I say 
He said, don't be ridiculous. I'm not your master. You're pretending like I'm your master, but you're going out and doing whatever you want to do and then come back and call me Lord. But you're not, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. I want this church, if there's one thing I want us to be known for, it, it's people of the Word. I want us to be followers of Christ, not followers of politics, not followers of society, not followers of fashion, not followers of anything that is worldly. I want us to be followers of Christ. Paul wrote a sad letter. He said, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. Demas fell out, fell out of love for Jesus Christ over a whopper. Extra cheese. You don't want pickles? Fine, we'll make it your way. Demas fell in love with the things of the present, what the world could offer him because he got to the place where he said, I'm tired of doing things your way. I want to live life my way. I'm tired of being satisfied with morsels when I've got somebody over here offering me a triple stack. But what Demas failed to comprehend was the morsel wasn't always going to be a morsel. The morsel had the ability in the right hand to become mighty. It was going to be substantial one of these days. If he could have seen down the road to where Paul is at now, you know, Demas may, maybe never figured it out how mighty the morsel was that Paul had because Paul went through all kinds of persecution and pain and suffering. And, and Demas is looking at that saying, you know what? We got to part ways. I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of not having a home. I'm tired of, uh, of being the brunt of all the jokes. I'm tired of living the same way that you're living, Paul. Oh, I know you get to do some things and you get to do some traveling. But Paul, have you not figured it out that you're not a very popular guy? Hang with me, Demas. Don't leave. It's not always going to be like this. There's coming a day when what seems so small and seems like a crumb and seems like a morsel is going to be transferred from my hands into the hands of the king. But Demas couldn't see that far down the road. And he settled for what could fill him up for a day instead of what could fulfill him for eternity. You know what the name Demas means? It means popular. I just want people to like me. Paul, it's not that I don't believe in what you're, what you're saying, what you're preaching. It's just not popular. It's too divisive. It's too hard. Look where it's gotten you, Paul. You've been flogged and shipwrecked and all these things. 
look where this is, look where this message is taking you. And Paul said, exactly. Exactly. I know exactly where it's taking me. It's taking me to a place where one day I may lose my life, but I would rather lose my life for the sake of Christ than to live it for myself. And Paul gets it to the end. He said, the time has now come. What are you going to do, Paul? You're locked up in prison. They're coming to take your life. Are you going to, are you going to cave now? Are you, going to, are you going to admit that Demas was right? Look where this has gotten you. You've got nothing to show. And Paul said, no, no, no. You don't understand. I've got it. I'm about ready to get everything. Yes. Because God has taken this little morsel called my life. This little blip in time. This little spot in, 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 in all of the earth that has since it's been created in all of mankind we have this little morsel of time called our life it's fleeting the Bible says it's like a vapor it's here and then it's gone unless you put it in the hands of somebody that can take the morsel and make it mighty would you stand today I thank God for people that are hungry because hungry people see the value in things that others just toss aside hungry people see the value of an altar people that are bloated on worldly things they see it as a waste of time but hungry people see it as a source of strength We're blessed. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. But could we be so blessed that we're no longer hungry for feeling what we can feel when we do it God's way? Would you bow your heads today? The Bible says, She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days the barrel of meal wasted not neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah if what you have seems small if what you have seems insignificant Why don't you put it into the hands of a God that can take your morsel and make it mighty? I want to open this altar call up today. I've got a feeling that there are some people in this place that would just like to come and just commune with God. I know, I, I know the devil's whispering in your ear and he's telling you that what you have to offer God right now is not going to change anything. You've got nothing to give and I'm telling you that is a lie from the enemy of your soul. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. 
If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.